Psalm 55, starting at verse 1. For the director of music with stringed instruments, a masculine of David. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. Because of what my enemy is saying. Because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. Lord, confuse the wicked. Confound their words, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. If an enemy were insulting me, I can endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God, as we walked about among the worshippers. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon I cry out in my distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned from of old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them, because they have no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. But you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. Let me pray. Father God, we pray that you would help us as we hear your word to be changed by your Spirit's work through your word. Help us to see that you are worthy to confide in, even through distressing times. In Jesus' name, amen. After the failed assassination attempt on his life, Michael knew that there must have been someone from inside leaking secrets to his enemies. Information getting out that had only been shared with his inner circle. Michael was the youngest in his uh, son and his family. He was the first American in his family to get a university education. He served in the American Armed Forces. Everyone was proud of Michael. But Fredo, the eldest son of Don Vito Corleone, would have naturally assumed to succeed and become the head of the family. But he was weak and an embarrassment to his family. He was often given small jobs to keep him busy, but nothing of significance. If it weren't for Michael, Fredo 
would have been the head of the family. On New Year's Eve, Michael discovers the truth. The clock strikes 12, and everyone is celebrating. Michael turns to embrace Fredo. He grabs hold of his head and gives him a kiss and says, I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. That was from the, a chilling scene from um, the 1974 film, The Godfather Part Two, where Fredo's betrayal is revealed. And the scene stands out because of the way the powerful emotions oscillate between the characters. Danger, betrayal, sadness, fear, anger, love. Today's passage is a prayer which weaves through the different powerful emotions. Let's take a look at my first point, fear. David pleads to the Lord in his fear. We can see from verse 1 that Psalm 55 is a prayer by David. Verse 1, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. David is pleading with the Lord. It's important. It's not trivial. It cannot be ignored. David needs an answer. David needs the Lord's help in some way. David sounds desperate. It sounds like a serious situation. Look at verse 2. I am distraught. Verse 4, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Whatever it is, the situation that David finds himself in is terrible. Distraught, fear, trembling. It sounds as if David is having a panic attack. He's exhausted. When was the last time you felt desperate? The last time you felt fear and trembling? David writes over 3,000 years ago, but the emotions he speaks of are those that resonate with us today, which we may have experienced. Maybe you're experiencing these emotions when you faced a terrible situation. If David had the chance to run away, he would. Look at verse 6. I said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. These verses, in my mind, reminded me of the frantic scenes surrounding Kabul airport last year when the Western forces withdrew. Do you remember them? Here's the pictures. There we go. Some were in genuine risk of reprisals from the Taliban, maybe for helping allied forces. Others were desperate to leave, knowing that life would become strict and dangerous. There was a striking image taken on the final day when the last United States C-17 Glowmaster 3 plane, overloaded with passengers, still decided to take off, saving 640 people from the Taliban. So many more left behind. The situation in Kabul was dire. And David is pleading to the Lord because his situation is dire. David would have gotten on that C-17 plane, verse 6, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. David is distraught, verse 2. He is in anguish, verse 4. He is desperate. So he turns to the Lord and he pleads with the Lord. Why? Why is David so distressed? 
We'll find out more in a moment. But so far we can see it's because of his enemy's words. Look at verse 3. Because of what my enemy is saying. Because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. His enemy's angry words. Something is being said which is threatening David, which is engulfing and assailing him and causing him to suffer. David is desperate. He's in a dire situation. He has an enemy who is threatening David, whose words are causing him suffering, fear. David pleads to the Lord in his fear. Second, fury. David is furious after personal betrayal. In this next section, we'll learn more about the details, about why David's situation is so grim. First is that there is wickedness rampant. Verse 9. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. Now, the crime rate in London is high. Just yesterday, my neighbor reported to me that his car had been broken into in the middle of the night. A few years ago, my bike was stolen overnight from my garden shed, and it was the second time it had been stolen. In the GP practice where I work, we sadly have a lot of patients who present to us with symptoms that they're experiencing because they've been victims of crime. And there are lots of desperately sad cases. There's a lot of crime in London, in Lewisham. A lot of the crime in London is hidden. You might not, you might actually, you might hear about it or see the effects later, but not actually see it when it's happening. But here, the violence and the strife that David sees is in the open. He sees it. He says it's day and night. It's on show on the walls of the city. It's not hidden. Within the walls of David's city, there are destructive forces. Enemies are prowling, lying in wait like a lion waiting to strike. David is surrounded by violence. Again, there is a focus on words, lies and threats, malice and abuse. It's hard to know exactly what was going on. We don't know exactly what was going on. But what is clear is that the situation for David David is dire. It's grim. Now, I think there's a surprise here. We discover that one thing that's causing David so much anguish is the deep betrayal of a close friend. Look at verse 13. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend. This is the godfather to I know it was you, Fredo moment. David says, verse 12, If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. Better the hate and anger of an enemy, more prepared for the insults and attacks from a foe. But this, this cuts deep to the heart. The personal betrayal of a trusted friend. The betrayal of someone so close. Someone like a son 
or a brother might have been so unthinkable that when it comes to light, it must be so painful. The sense of violation, someone who they may have shared personal thoughts and time together, maybe someone trusted with the secrets of the heart. Look at verse 14. With whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship. At the house of God, we walked about among the worshippers. They worshipped God together. So cold. Now we don't know exactly who this is. Commentators suggest that it might relate to Ahithophel, who was David's counselor, who conspired with his son Absalom's conspiracy to overthrow David as king. And we heard that from our first reading in 2 Samuel chapter 15. Absalom was a charismatic character. And to complete the coup, Absalom would have needed to end David's claim on his throne. So he would need to have David killed. So David certainly would have felt the danger. It must have been like a dagger in the heart. David must have felt crushing sadness that his son Absalom, aided by his counselor Ahithophel, had been conspiring against him. I know it was you. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. It is unclear, whoever it is, but there is tremendous pain due to this betrayal. But do you also feel a sense of irony here? Remember, like us, that David is sinful. He is not perfect and definitely made some serious mistakes. Perhaps in some ways this is a confession for David's own treacherous betrayal of Uriah. We heard in last week's sermon from Ravi to Samuel chapter 11, the story of David and Bathsheba, where David spies a beautiful woman Bathsheba while having a bath. Bathsheba is the wife of another man, but not any man, but Uriah the Hittite, one of David's mighty warriors, one of David's most loyal and devoted servants, to one to whom David owed his life to. David sleeps with Bathsheba, who becomes pregnant. And after failing to conceal his adultery, David deliberately sends Uriah forward into battle, whilst at the same time withdrawing troops, exposing Uriah, so that he would be killed. And David could then take Bathsheba, pregnant with his child as his own wife. Perhaps David in this psalm recognizes now the pain of his own betrayal. But now let's look at David's prayer in detail. First, he asks the Lord to confuse the speech of his enemies. Verse 9. Lord, confuse the wicked, confound their words. Confuse and confound. They have a, a hint of Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, where the Lord confused and confounded the wicked and arrogant people. As we've seen this emotional distress caused by the angry words and threats of his enemies. David is asking that his enemies are confused and their words are confounded. Commentators suggest that the Lord may have acted on this in 2 Samuel 17 verse 14. Absalom 
And all the men of Israel said, The advice of Hushai, the archite, is better than that of Ahithophel. For the Lord had determined to frustrate the good advice of Ahithophel in order to bring disaster on Absalom. The Lord confusing and confounding Ahithophel. Secondly, David's response is furious. Verse 15. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead. For evil finds lodging among them. This is an allusion to Numbers chapter 16, verse 29 to 33, where the Lord demonstrates his judgment on Korah, Dathan, and Abiram's rebellion against Moses in the wilderness. Listen to this in Numbers chapter 16, verse 31. As soon as Moses finished saying all this, the ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households and all those associated with Korah together with their possessions. They went down alive into the realm of the dead with everything they owned. The earth closed over them and they perished and were gone from the community. Rather than just the destruction of his enemies, David is calling for a public indication of God's rejection and judgment on his enemies. Now David's prayer is furious and it's shocking. Here's a question. Is this a prayer that we can pray? I'm going to let that sit for a while. We'll come back to that question in the end. But David is furious after personal betrayal. And finally, faith. David confides in the Lord's salvation. David confides in the Lord's salvation. So David is afraid. He is furious. What can David do? David calls upon the Lord. Verse 16. As for me, I call to God. And the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress. And he hears my voice. The Lord saves him. The Lord hears his voice. David has confidence that no matter how terrifying and how grave the situation is, the Lord will hear him and save him. Verse 18, he rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. But the Lord did not send the wings of a dove or a C-17 to enable him to fly away, but he protects him. And rescues him from his many enemies. David looks to the consistent, reliable, trustworthy character of the covenant God for confidence. Verse 19. God who is enthroned from of old, who does not change. He will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. Verse 20 returns to his betrayer who violates the Lord's covenant because he has no fear of God. My companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. And there is conflict in his companion's character. His words are inconsistent with his heart and his hands. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. In verse 23, David, knowing God's consistent righteous character, 
knows that God will reliably bring down the wicked into the pit of decay, that his bloodthirsty and deceitful companion will be defeated. Faith. David confides in the Lord's salvation. So how does Psalm 55 apply to us? Looking at the crowd here, I don't think I see any Italian mafia bosses or any Jewish messiahs here. I could be wrong. Are there? If you're part of the mafia, let me just say that you are very welcome to be here this afternoon. (laughs) But as we're thinking, how does this passage apply to us? Perhaps you're thinking like Michael Corleone, who says, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Guarding your heart from the risk of betrayal. And I asked the question earlier, is this a prayer that we can pray? If someone overtakes you on the road, or if a colleague gets a promotion over you, should we pray like David and plead to God, let death take them by surprise, let them go down alive to the realm of the dead? The answer is no. You're not in the Godfather. We shouldn't pray for our enemies to sleep with the fishes. We are not David in this passage. David is the Messiah. This is not a prayer for personal vendettas. David's enemies are the enemies of the Lord's Messiah. And they are evil, verse 15. For evil finds lodging among them. Who can pray this prayer? To destroy my enemies. We cannot because we are sinful and selfish. Our enemies are not always the Lord's enemies. There is only one other person. Like David in this passage you could say this prayer. And it's Jesus. Jesus who was betrayed by Judas with a kiss. Jesus who was without sin can cast righteous judgment on evil. So in this psalm, we experience not just David's anguish and fury, but Jesus' anguish and righteous anger. But how does this square with Jesus who says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like David, we need to be humble, remembering that how like David who sinned with Bathsheba, we have all sinned. We have all failed and betrayed Jesus. If you feel guilty of betraying someone, Maybe you recognize that, like David, you have been unfaithful and betrayed the Lord. Then know this. In love, Jesus died forsaken so we could be forgiven. Now, Jesus' judgment on his enemy is righteous judgment of evil. Those who oppose the Lord's Messiah. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle 
is not against flesh and blood. That is, that we are not seeking the destruction of those who hate us. But rather, we are looking for their salvation. But our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a spiritual war, a fight to the death. And we should pray for the Lord to destroy evil and defeat Satan. And on this focus, we can say this prayer. And if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, then I think this is a warning to you. The Lord will defeat those who are opposed to his Messiah. David then, Jesus now. Don't be in opposition to Jesus. If you would not call yourself a Christian, then I would urge you to align yourself with Jesus, the Lord's Messiah, who in love died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus died forsaken so we could be forgiven. If you want to explore that more, please come speak to me or Ravi after the service. We should also remember our Christian brothers and sisters abroad. Maybe in Afghanistan or Ukraine or elsewhere who may still be experiencing the anguish and emotional distress facing persecution from evil regimes. Or when we face turmoil, distress, if we are afraid of something or feel desperate, we can look to David's response. And the first thing David does is turn to the maker of heaven and earth, the sovereign Lord of the universe, and pleads with him, to listen. It's a good place to start. Some children will go to their mothers when they get hurt. And David, a child of God, rushes to his heavenly father. He shares his fear. He shares his fury. Then he is content to cast it into God's hands. The Lord doesn't remove his people from danger. He protects them. Listen to David's message to us in verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Let me pray. Father God, we know that only through the righteousness of Jesus could we ever be forgiven. So we pray that we would be humble as we pray with David for your triumph over evil. Thank you that we know that you triumph over evil on the cross. Thank you that you will never let the righteous, those confiding in your son Jesus, to be shaken. And that you will sustain your people. We pray for those who are undergoing such difficult turmoil now. Emotional distress for Christians in other parts of the world facing persecution from evil regimes. We pray that they, with us, would find great comfort in this psalm, to have complete confidence to confide our burdens or emotional anxieties 
and cast our cares on you. Amen.